This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Mike Hearn is our guest today. Mike, welcome to the pod. I want to chat about a little bit of Born Primitive Outdoor as far as their what's new, what have you been running. Uh, You killed an amazing public land bull. I want to talk about that. You do some cool things with hunter recruitment. I want to chit chat about that as well as your career goals. Uh, what do you want to talk about? I think the first thing we should talk about because it's coming up in like two weeks, less than two weeks now, is uh, Western Hunt Expo, which we will both be at. Yes, am I mistaken? Nope, I'll be there. So we're both going to be there. So uh, you're going to be there. I'm going to be there with the Born Primitive crew and the Kafaru crew and the Viking Armament crew and the Dillinger River Outfitters crew. We have a shared booth. Uh, it's a very large booth space from what I'm told. And we're going to be doing some cool things over there. I think you're going to set up and podcast. Am I correct about that? You gonna, you gonna pop? I've thought about it. I've thought about it. Yeah. So there's some potential for that. So you guys can come by the booth and see Dan hanging out with all of us and just hang out with all of us and check out the gear. Born Primitive and Kafaru, I know for a fact, are doing show discounts on all the gear uh, so that you can only get by being at the show in person. Um, And then we are doing some massive raffles. We are doing on Friday of the show. I don't have the exact date, but Friday, we're doing a raffle that's worth well over $12,000. That includes a bear hunt with Kafaru Outfitters, as well as the new frame and pack from Kafaru and a bunch of other gear and uh, some stuff from Viking Armament and a full loadout from Born Primitive. And then on Saturday, that's the big one. You don't want to miss this raffle. It is a 50 plus thousand dollar raffle that comes with a ton of gear from Kafaru to include the new ultralight frame and pack, an eight-man TP, Viking Armaments throwing in an $8,500 rifle, and Dillinger River Outfitters is throwing in a $35,000 Alaska Yukon moose hunt. So 
those are huge raffles. And, and a lot of that proceeds, I don't know how much, I don't know the specifics because they don't tell me the specifics, but most of those proceeds are going back to conservation. They're going to a conservation. All I want to know is, am I exempt from entering either one of those raffles? I'm buying raffle tickets. Okay. <laughs> I'm buying raffle tickets for sure. I'm in on that. That's cool. Well, let's get to the potting. Yes, guys, we will both be there. Come say hi. And if Mike and I are together, please let us know who is shorter. It is debatable. Kufaru International, now out of Wyoming, made in America, arguably the best frame on the market in my opinion, definitely an array of bags to run on the duplex light frame. Check out the Bedlam, that's what I used in 2023. Check out the Hoodlum, that's what I ran in 22. They have day packs, they have expedition packs, they have hip quivers, chest vinyl rigs, the whole gamut, and it's made in America. My buddy Aaron Snyder runs the deal. It's a great team, great customer service. Head over to Kufara International and do your shopping. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Yeah, I'm looking at your mustache. Like you on purposely shaved everything but the hair above your upper lip. I'm in the army and I can only have hair above my upper lip. So this is literally the only hair I can have on my face. Okay, so how long have you been in and when are you getting out? In May, I will hit 18 years and I am getting out right at 20. So May, 2026 will be my official out date but i got about a year and six-ish months until like i'm basically already out i'll still be in and still be getting a paycheck from the army but i'll be either doing an internship with kafaru or born primitive so i'll be working for them for free basically oh that's nice for them yeah 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 what do you do right now in the military like what's your responsibilities uh, so my, my, my job title, uh, or my MLS, my military occupational specialties, uh, infantryman. Um, so I'm a, I'm a trigger puller basically, but, uh, I'm, I'm senior in rank. So I, I'm a, the deputy commandant in non-commissioned officer academy. So I basically, I'll break that down to civilian language. I run a schoolhouse for young leaders in the military for professional development. So as they start to step into a leadership position or in order for them to step into the, a leadership position, they have to go to my course to get the foundation of army leadership, prince, leadership principles, all that stuff. You're like the Jocko of the army. Uh, I don't know about all that. No, I, uh, Jocko, Jocko took all that leadership experience and then translated it to the civilian world. Uh, but yeah, that's basically the same stuff that Jocko, that Jocko preaches is, is what we, we teach and preach and, and coach and mentor these young soldiers on. Good. I love it. I love it. Yeah, man. So, uh, we got to finally hang out in, uh, Utah tack. No, Big Sky and Utah Tech. We've shot two tacks together. No big deal. Yep. That's cool. And uh, what's your tax schedule like in 2024? Uh, trying to get Kurt over a form primitive. We're trying to work that out right now. But I think if BP's gonna, if BP wants to do it, we're gonna do. I'm going to do 
Big Sky, Colorado, and Utah. So the three, the three Western tax, basically. I am soft advertising that I I'm I'm going to Big Sky for sure, but like the Colorado one, I've never done it, and I'm advertising like I'm fifty one percent sure I'm going to shoot that at least on Friday. Uh, I, I'll say the Colorado tech, I, it's kind of my community cause that's where I'm at, but it's by far, I don't know. I I've, I've had the, the most fun at the Colorado tech. It's just a, it's a way chill. It's a chill atmosphere. Like it's, it's a, it's a fun event and it's a cool mountain. Uh, I, if they're doing it at sunlight again, which is the place they've done it, I think the last three years, it's it's a really cool mountain. They set up some, some pretty cool courses and it's just, it's a, it's a, it's like, it feels like a, a locals event, but they, they get a big, pretty big turnout too for what it is. Did you ever get Kurt from born primitive to get an iPhone? I don't know if I can take credit for that, but he has an iPhone. If you text him right now, it'll be blue. That's what I noticed is I texted him yesterday and it was blue and I had an option to FaceTime and I was like, I can actually respond to his text with like a thumbs up or an exclamation mark. And then I don't have to like text anything back. And, uh, cause you know, when you do that with someone with an Android, like I don't think they even get a thumbs up or anything. I don't, I don't know what they get, but I, I definitely, I, uh, the community that he comes from in the Navy and like the communities that I've, I've worked around, I, I wasn't specifically in those communities in the military, but I've worked with them and have, ton of good friends that, that are in special operations. Um, I was like, Hey man, it's time to, it's, you're, you're not doing that anymore. You can't use that as an excuse for your, for your Android. Like it's time to, you're a grown up now, get an iPhone. So like your, you phone shamed him. Oh yeah. I phone shame everyone that doesn't have an iPhone. Oh my God. You can make somebody mad right now. Listening. Who? <laughs> oh, yeah, you'll see. You'll get guys. Uh, I'll put his Instagram handle in the show notes. You just send him a DM about your anger uh, towards his iPhone uh, elite attitude. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't get it. Honestly, like, so I, 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 I'm on an Apple computer right now. Uh, everybody that I know has an iPhone. It's just nice to be able to airdrop media between me and, you know, Jeff, my guy who's brand managing and airdropping and FaceTiming and all that kind of stuff. But Androids are fine. I've had an Android before in the past. They're all right, man. I was, I was an Android user until I started. Well, I broke my Android. I tried an iPhone and I was like, wow, this blue text is amazing. It just looks so much. It's elevated. It's an elevated, <laughs> it's an elevated user experience. And then as I got into creative stuff, photography, videography, it just made sense. Like I edit photos in Lightroom, I airdrop them to my phone, I text them to the people that need them, or I can throw them right on Instagram. It's easy, simple. It just, it makes sense. It, it's what it's for. So, so yeah, you, so you're like uh, in the army, you have a full-time job and you'll also work for Born Primitive Outdoor as um, the social media manager. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what my title is. I do all their, uh, right now I do all their email copy, like all their marketing copy basically. And then I, I run the Instagram page, which has, I don't think that was out there in the world and now it is. Um, but I run the Instagram for them and then I'll, I'll shoot photos here and there when I have the opportunity to just 
trying to help the brand grow and, and capture content. Okay. No. So no other platforms, the mainly just the IG and then email marketing, copywriting, and you're a photographer on the side as well. What are you shooting on? Uh, Sony a seven four right now. Okay. I just had one, one just broke and I have two a seven fours kind of a huge fan. The shutter is stuck open because I like that about the a seven fours, how the shutter will close when you turn it off. It's nice when you swap out lenses and I noticed that mine, I was getting the old error message and there's tricks to try. Like you can take the battery out, turn it off, hold the shutter down 30 seconds, put a battery and a card back in, turn it on. No. So my camera's at the old official Sony fixer upper place. Can't say I kind of got frequent flyer miles there. I, I send a camera in at least once a year because we're hard on stuff, man. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, we're down a man. Um, the other camera we use is the A1, which is fancy, but we bought it used. Real fancy. We bought that one used. Those things are six grand new, but we found a deal. But no, the A7 IV is by far one, like the camera I know the best. How long you been running that? Uh, about a year. I upgraded from the A7 III to the A7 IV. And the reason I did is because I don't make a bunch of money in photography and videography. Um, and I don't know necessarily that that is like what I want to be when I grow up leaving the army. Right. I call it growing up because the army's never, never land. We're all the lost boys. And we don't have to grow up. Um, but I don't know that I want that camera. I don't know that that's what I want to do. So the a seven four is like a really good entry level price and the video, the video and the photo that like it's ability to do both. You, you kind of have the best of both worlds. And it's good. It's good enough. It's not the A1. The A1 is the video and photo camera that Sony makes. Like that's the one. If you're going to do video and photo, that's the one. But that one is like a five. What is it? Like five, six thousand dollar body. Yeah. So for entry level, somebody that's kind of just dabbling in it a little bit it, that can't. And it's it's more than powerful enough. I know I know guys that do it full time that run that camera. You're you're one of them right? You're running that camera. It's, it's a powerful camera. It's a great camera for doing both photo and video. Yeah. I don't have very many complaints about the a seven four. Um, no, maybe a few small minor ones, but you know, what are they? Let's hear. Um, they can overheat pretty easily in the summer. Um, you have to change the settings to kind of override it. And then like, literally there's days where we're filming so much. I got to like open the battery door, pull the LCD screen away from the body. If we're not filming, turn it off, swap out batteries. Often they, they make a battery that has a wire into the battery that you can kind of plug into the wall. So it's almost like you're running your camera on phantom, which creates less heat. Um, yeah. So overheating is one for sure that you have to kind of mitigate a little. I've had a few guys that have hired contractors that have used my stuff and they didn't remember to switch it from photo to video mode. And so like, it'll let you start filming if it's on photo mode, but it will not be to the settings that you want. And so a lot of that footage is usually garbage. The shutter speed doesn't match up, et cetera. Other than that, it's fine. I tell folks like, cause we do get a lot of questions about how do you get, how do you get such good archery flight and how do you get like your photo, your stuff's Chris, what are you using? Are you using an iPhone? The answer is no. I try not to hardly ever use an iPhone for anything that I'm going to put out on 
our media. I try to use a DSLR, but lenses where I would spend money. I would tell anyone wanting to get into the game, go find the camera that Mike left. The a7 III is still like one of the all-time best cameras for both. And it's such a good price point now and it's full frame. Get that and spend your loot on lenses, man. Like cha-ching, lenses is where it's at. That's where you want to where you want to spend your dough but i'm actually eyeing the a what is it the a93 it just came out or it's coming out right now and it does a lot of stuff that i want including 120 frames a second at 4k i really want like um i don't know 240 in 4k they haven't made that yet but i just want a higher frame rate to capture more like a lot of the stuff we do aeroflight is it's it looks better in slow-mo and it gives you more opportunity in post to like do cool stuff but yeah all the stuff's good man it's the basics don't go out of style it's like lighting it's framing it's composition you know color grading or do you film in s-log or what are you filming i think i film in like s-log eight or log eight yeah i don't I I film, I film in a, in a really, it's a, it's a log profile. It's real flat, but I really, uh, I haven't, I haven't gotten to dive too much into color grading. Uh, Mm -hmm. and just because I don't have time and then learning editing software editing is probably my weak point. Um, I've, I've made a few pretty cool, like IG reels and stuff, but they've taken, uh, it's lack of knowledge on the editing software. It makes me want to throw my laptop out the window because I, I know what I want to do. I just don't know how to do it. And then it's Mm. YouTube and then back to the editing software. It takes so people don't understand. That's like speaking Chinese, right? Like it takes so long to learn that software and get good with it and comfortable with it. Dude, that's just, it's endless. I, I was studying Photoshop today on YouTube today. Like, I've had Photoshop for 10 years and I'm like, I, I just learn a few things. And then I'm like, I'm okay. My brain's full. I don't want to learn. And I had to like four, I told my wife, I'm like, I'm going to spend an hour today going through some tutorials just to kind of get better at Photoshop and, uh, editing's no different, man. I've been through so many editing platforms from was iMovie, Final Cut Pro, uh, Adobe's, uh, Premiere, DaVinci Resolve, they're all different. Like, even if you like know how to look, do one, don't think you can just cross over to the other. There's so much nuance, but it does take a lot of time. And Which software are you using for, for video editing? Right now I'm, I'm pretty all in on DaVinci Resolve. Um, I liked, I liked Premiere and I, I have a buddy who works for Adobe and, and, uh, I, I reached out to him and I said, I'm leaving you because your premiere glitches way too much. Like, and I just pull my hair out when it freezes or shuts down or just glitches out. And so I think they've made some changes. I might go back and check it out, but I'd have to relearn premiere. It's I've, I've been doing DaVinci for over a year now. And so now I'm like pretty fast and efficient with DaVinci, but I don't edit. Well, I do still edit a lot, but I, I got help. Um, I've hired Jeff Dodds and he's here full time. And man, what a lifesaver. He's His specialty is more short form content. And I guess that means I got to do the long form, like the YouTube stuff. So we kind of divide and conquer. I'd like him to get better at the long form. And I think he will. He's working on it. Um, long form's harder because you have to worry about pacing. It's not, to me, a short form 
is still an art, you know, cause you want to captivate, you want to hook them in within first three, five seconds. And then you want to kind of have a payoff. There's similarities, but long form is like more, you got to have more entertainment value or knowledge or information. But mm-hmm. you know, we live in this world now where all this stuff matters, you know? So it's not about photos anymore as much as it, it used to be. No. And yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like long form is you, storytelling is an art and uh, <sighs> to, to hook them in the beginning and get them to continue to watch a, a eight, even eight minutes, right? Like eight minutes is long now. And when it used to be what, what was hunting TV? Like 21 minutes because 22, with yep. commercial, 22 minutes. Um, and like, I can't even watch hunting TV anymore because the storytelling, it's, it's just so cookie cutter. Like, no, it's like, they, they, they won't get out of that, that this is how we've always done it and how we're going to do it. So there's the story's not really there. You can't, you can't grab onto it. It doesn't hook me. Um, but yeah, long form, long form's tough. Music, mood, emotion. Like you gotta, you gotta, that's what you hook people. What's emotion? I've heard people talk about emotions. What are those? Oh, stop. I wouldn't say it's so much your emotion. You want to make, like, I think a good long form story makes the, like, making the viewer, if you miss a shot, like, the way you add music and the way you color it can, like, almost give them the same sinking feeling in their stomach that 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 you have like if you if you've ever missed an animal right and you worked hard to get to that one shot and you miss like being able to make somebody watching feel that is powerful speaking of shooting animals and stuff i was elk hunting pretty hard this year and i did not have my phone on for almost three weeks man which was the best for me like but i do remember going into town and getting gas and while I'm waiting for my truck to fill up, I turned on the old IG and I see a foot, a photo of my friend, Mike Hearn with a really good looking heavy bull and some dope photos. And I was like, F yeah, you know, I was pumped, but I haven't even talked to you about it. I don't even know the story and I need that to change. Like, tell me about your elk season, man. My elk season was short. It, uh, it was real short. <laughs> Uh, so this, this season, uh, spirit of full candor, I, I didn't plan to elk hunt. Like I, I wasn't even going to buy an elk tag this year because my good friend, Cody Covey drew a bighorn sheep tag and a moose tag here in Colorado. And so those are two once in a lifetime tags. So it's, we were basically, I was like, I'm all in until Cody gets those tags filled because that's, that's once in a lifetime. And I know he would do the same thing for me if I draw those tags, hopefully when I draw those tags, I wasn't even going to buy an elk tag. And then, uh, I've got a, a friend, he's transitioning out of the military. He's a big hunter. He's, he's going to be working at Kafaru, my buddy, Lance Fanning. He's crashing in my basement right now as he kind of transitions and gets ready to, to move up to Wyoming. Uh, he's like, I know a spot. 50 50 on whether or not we'll get into anything he's like let's just get some let's just go grab this is the day before season like we're literally buying food for the sheep hunt he's like let's just go grab over the counter tags and and see what happens right and so we grab over the counter tags and we head out to this little chunk of public he knows about and first thing in the morning 
you know, the sun's coming up, it's the first day elk season, you got like the Christmas morning feeling in your stomach, rip a bugle into the into the dark sunrise and nothing. Keep hike, bugle, hike, bugle, nothing. Like, okay, well, this is uh very typical day of over-the-counter elk hunting. <laughs> hike bugle, nothing. Hike bugle, nothing. Him and I are set up and we're we're glassing this valley. And I hear some cow calls and I keep listening and he's, he's a green beret and he's got, he, he wears uh, hearing aids because he can't hear very well. He's been shot and blown up and he's, he's got all kinds of stuff wrong. It's not good for your hearing to be in the military folks disclaimer. Um, the only reason I protect my hearing. So like the last 10 years of my career is so I can hear turkeys gobble and bulls view. Uh, Amen. So, Amen to that. So, no, I protect it. Uh, but, I, I hear some cow calls and I'm like, what it I'm listening. I'm listening to like the cadence and I'm like, that's gotta be hunters. That's that's gotta be hunters. So he comes back from the side of the hill. He was glass. And I'm like, you hear those cow calls? He's like, Nope, didn't hear a crap. And I'm like, all right. Well, I was like, Oh, there they are, right there. Cow call. And then I hear a uh, unmistakable Doug Flutie. I can tell when people are bugling through a bugle tube or a, or a Doug Flutie. Like I know when it's a human bugle. 99.9% of the time. I'm like, that's a human bugle. And then I hear a response. I'm like, that is not a human. That is a bull. So I'm like, well, I'll set it up for you. We're here. Hunters are over here on the other side of the valley. Bulls on the other side of the hunters. So I got hunters in between me and the bull. The way the terrain is, it's going up a hill. So we're kind of on the side of this, this uphill slope. And I'm like, well, hunters are there, bulls there, bulls probably moving away from water up the hill to bed. I was like, let's let's cloverleaf around. And if they don't get that bull killed and he keeps coming up the hill, we'll take a shot at him. So as we cloverleaf around, I, we listen to those guys call. It probably takes us an hour to get around. We listen to those guys call. They're not breaking from that. They're, they will not budge from that position. Like they are... They're calling that bull into them or bust. And I'm like, well, all right, if they're going to stay there, let's just go in and kill this bull. So we uh, we, we kind of snuck in as close as we could. And then um, he started, he was growling and, and bugling and probably about 80 yards out. So I, I had Lance hang back with the bugle tube and I just contact buzz like real raspy cow call fast and walked in until I ran into him. I blew all his cows out and he stood there. Oh, no way. I blew, I blew all his cows out and he stood there looking for that cow that was leaving a bull coming to him. And, and he turned broadside and then, um, things kind of got native American, but he got killed. There's only one arrow left in my quiver and I will never hunt with a single pin. I don't hunt with a single pin bow sight and I did not change my bow sight out. And that's what I blame it on. Well, I blame it on that too. I mean, I've been the dumbass, and again, asking for the audience's forgiveness. If that is you, if you, so far you have an Android and you hunt elk with a single pin, please don't hang up. I'm, I'm just saying for me, <laughs> for me personally, I have I did the old dual track in 2021. I think I killed three bulls that year, and I think it was one of those deals where. I missed some great opportunities because I'd walk around with my top pin set at 30 and my bottom pin was 50. And I had a couple of just shots that were in the somewhere in the mid 40s and it's such a wide pin gap. And I'd really 
at a short draw length, which I know you can't relate to because you have such a long draw length. Yeah. Real long. <laughs> I'm joking. He's short like me. Is that man, my trajectory, even though I shoot fairly as fast and light as I can, man, like it's just not the same as others. And so I love things happen fast when you party with elk. And so they real fast. Three pins is the minimum for me. And if I'm running three pins, it's 30, 40, 50, or tr- actually more like 27. 40, 50, where I can use that 27 to be a little high, a little low at 20 and 30. But man, that really cost me two really good encounters. One at a bull, like it, my pin was set. I think that day at like 40 and 60, I was hunting real wide open country. And this bull comes in on a string. I didn't make a sound. He just, we're on the same trail. It's pissing rain. And he, I was actually hiking out because I was soaked to the bone and he comes around the corner and I'm like, I couldn't draw because I had, I knew my top pin was at 40 and I don't know what to aim in the heat of the moment when a bull is six yards from you. And I would have taken a, a frontal shot if I, if I had it, but anywho, and then another nightmare story where anyway, so I have this thing now where it's three pin minimum and I actually like four. I don't like five. So like 20, 30, 40, 50, and then anything past 50, I'm sliding to the exact yardage. Yeah. So you come rolling in on this bull, you bump his cows. He stays there. Where's your pin set at? My pin. So I was hunting with uh, the Tetra Rise from HHA. So it's the, it's got the two pin indicators and mine's at 20. And then I think my other pin indicator is like just over 40. And I range this bull. I'm the same way as you. I'm not calling anybody else a dumbass. I know I'm a dumbass. Yes. So I try to eliminate my own dumbassery with multiple pins. I have to, I have, I know I have to eliminate it. And, and I'm, I'm a military guy and I like to keep my plans simple and stupid for, for me. Right. So I range him and he's at 35 yards. Well, I'm like, cool. I just got to hold those two pins, those two indicators on him. I get to full draw. He turns broadside. I hold my bury my 20 pin. I bury that top pin right behind his shoulder and let the arrow rip. And I hear it. I hear it hit him, but I know it doesn't hit him good because it's loud. Um, And I have no idea where I hit him. And so he starts, he takes off. And I want to pull my hair out because I'm like, that is the biggest bull I have encountered in an over-the-counter unit. Like, that's the biggest bull in my career. And that was a chip shot. And it all came together. And I just screwed it up. Like, I just screwed that up royally. So I don't even wait five seconds before I start stomping forward like a 12-year-old that didn't get the toy at Walmart that he wanted. I start stomping forward to find my arrow because I'm like, well, I better look at it, at least try to find it and see if maybe I hit something important. Um, even though I know in my heart of hearts, I didn't hit anything important. As I'm moving forward to find my arrow, he stumbles in front of me. And I'm like, oh, and we look at each other. And he, I'm like, you're messed up. I don't know where I hit you, but you are not walking well. And so he sees me, he locks eyes with me. I make that assessment of him and he starts running down and into a draw. So I stay up on the high ground and I follow his antlers. And I get cliffed out in this canyon and I'm still following his antlers through the pines and I see him start to turn to come in front of the cliff that I'm on. And I'm like, okay, cool. There's an open spot, range the open spot. He's going to get there. I'll make some noise, try to stop him like a whitetail and range it, adjust my sight. Cause I only got one pin. I mean, I got two, but really only one adjust my sight and 
get my bull to full draw. He comes out, stops. I stop him. I hit him high right through the back straps. I'm like, okay, probably because I ranged further back than where he actually stopped in the opening. I'm like, cool. He keeps going. I try to pick out the next spot where he's going to stop, range, adjust my sight, get ready to draw, draw, stop him, send another one. This time, I think I'm below the backstrap, but in no man's land, right? And then he goes up to 80, stops. He's he's quartered away hard, real hard. And I this is the first time I'm ranging the actual bull, dial my sight to 84, I think is what he stopped at, 84 yards draw, settle. I mean, at this point, I've already put two arrows in them. I, and, and I'm sorry for those of you that, that don't think like, I'm a killer. Like I, I'm going to, I'm going to send arrows till the animal's dead. So 84 yards is a bit far, but I've shot 84 plenty and, and I've already put two arrows in them. So there's no reason not to send one. And I bury that one in his, in his, in his right hand because he's quartered hard and, and, it was, it was a pretty technical shot to make. So, and beyond my skill, obviously. So, and at that point I'm like, okay, I've got one arrow left. I have a five arrow quiver. I've got one arrow left. Three arrows are sticking out of this bowl. Now I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta, I gotta keep giving chase. Right. So I dropped down in the Canyon up the other side where he was. And I, and I see my, my buddy comes out behind me and yells and stops me. And I hold up to number three because that's how many arrows are in them. And I keep going up. And then I get up to the top where I kind of lost sight of them. And I'm looking around. I'm like, all right, I got to calm down. Probably maybe don't chase this guy. And my buddy finally catches up. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean what am I doing? I just put three arrows in that bowl. None of them are good. None of them are good. I didn't hit anything important on any of those arrows. And I got to get one. I got to, he's, he's hurt but he's not going to die. And I need to get what I got this one last arrow. I got to get in. him. And he's like, no, he's like, when you were down in the Canyon scurrying across, he's like, I saw that bull, that bull is going to die. He tried to lay down five feet away from where we're standing right now. And I watched your little ass run up the hill and bump him. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I saw where those arrows hit him. But what my buddy saw that I didn't see, I saw him on his left side. When my buddy saw him, he saw the right side where that, that second shot across the canyon was coming out and he saw he saw where the arrow was coming out i saw where it went in he's like that that bull's dead like he's like my i'm like i'm telling and i argued with him for five minutes i argued with him i was like i'm telling you he's not dead so he yelled at me he's like see that cactus right there you're not allowed to go back past that cactus till 9 30 it's 8 30 right now i'm like all right man i'll sit here but we're just gonna lose him he's gonna keep stumbling away and right now, like, either we keep up with him or he's going to stumble way further and we're not going to find him. And we sat there at at 926. I was like, all right, let's go look for this bull. And he's like, no, nah, man, it's not 930. We're, we'll go at 930. Nice. Like, okay. Nice. So it, during that time, I went back and looked at blood. I'm like, okay, there's a good bit of blood. Like, there's there's a good bit of blood coming out of him. So I went back and kind of followed the blood trail from that shot that I thought was in no man's land between the spine and the lungs. And there's a good bit of blood coming out. So we picked up that blood trail, followed it, that bull was piled up 80 yards away. So let me recap for what I heard and what you said, and then correct me. Your first shot was a 20 yard shot, which we don't know as listeners. We don't know where you hit yet in the story. Your second shot was the opening that you ranged and you thought you hit high. Your third shot, 
was an actual hit, but you thought no man's land. Your fourth shot was in the ham and you got one arrow in your quiver, correct? Yep. All right. So then you finally find them piled up 80 yards from where you were waiting the whole time. Mm-hmm. Wow. They're tough, aren't they? They're so tough. And to the, to this point, the, the shots that I've made and, and killed them, I've, I, they've been easy to find because they've been double lung. And yeah, but so I think that 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 second shot across the canyon uh, was, was high lung. And that's what killed them because that, that back ham shot could have been a fatal shot if I got the femoral and that arrow buried into them. But uh, I don't think I got the femoral because there wasn't much blood coming out of that back ham. Yeah, you you would know if you got artery. Um, what about the first shot? Where did that where did that one hit? Just shoulder. First shot took out both his knees. Oh, like, shit. through and through. You were low. Him in. Low, yeah, because I was holding twenty. He was at thirty five ish, and yeah, so that hit both his knees, and uh, and that's what that's what slowed him down. When I saw him and he was stumbling, I was like, man, I don't I don't think I hit anything important, but you are you are killed. Like you are messed up. I can run you down and put another, like I made that assessment and based on the way he was moving, like I was able to keep up with him and, and get those other shots. In him. So the other hunters that basically helped you like move in on this bull without making a sound, essentially like they kept him talking for you unknown to them. And you were able to sneak in into 35 yards on the first shot. Those hunters, those hunters ended up, they, cause we sat there for a solid, I don't know how long it was. It felt like an eternity. And we sat there and debated it because I hate when that happens, like in turkey hunting or elk hunting. If somebody cuts me off on the way to a bull, like I hate that. And I, I, I will not do that to somebody else. Right. So we sat there and debated it and we're like, well, those guys are calling from right there. They haven't, We've listened to him call the entire time we've moved around to get in position. If this bull comes up, we've listened to him call and they're not moving. They are not breaking that position. So we sat there and debated it. I was like, Hey, I don't know. Is this like, is this, I would be pissed if someone did that to me. He's like, my, my buddy's like, those guys are not moving. I'm like, okay, okay, let's go kill this bull. And I think a lot of hunters get stuck in that scenario where the bull is answering them. And that, they're like, okay, he's going to come eventually. But what those hunters didn't know and you found out is that bull was cowed up big time. Why would he leave all his cows undefended and go way up to go check you out? Ain't going to happen. And when he's, when he's bugling, I mean, he's bugling back at that bull a little bit, but he's still, he's still putting on a show for the cows that he has. He's talking to the cows and he, and if he's bugling back, like he's, He's bugling at you like, get out of here, or I'm over here. You know, mm-hmm. he's not saying. So that's something that's something I've I've picked up, kind of like learning the nuance of of what a bull is saying and 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 kind of what they're doing, right? So when like you hear a bull going to bed in the morning, he's bugling at his cows. He's bugling for his cows to come with him. He's not, and if there's other cows out there, he's trying to attract them, but he's. And so you, there's a lot of times where you got to go to him. And that's what we did. Like my buddy stayed back and bugled and growled and basically did the exact same thing that bull would do when he would do it. And I cow called from that bull that was bugling to the actual bull. And I think that's what kept him in place is he heard that cow coming from another bull. So the, his cow scattered and he's like, where's this, where's this chick at? You know? 
So this bowl, dude, is this is a Colorado over-the-counter public land bowl. Yep, it, it, that's exactly what it is. And he's gnarly and heavy, guys. Like I'm looking at him right now on my other screen, and I'm like, he's heavy. He's old. He's not young. Like how did how did how did he? He's surviving archery seasons that are generous. Uh, a muzzleloader season that coincides with the archery season, which I hate, by the way, in Colorado. And then he's also surviving three seasons of rifle, shitty winters in Colorado, wolves now in Colorado. Like all this, like that bull is a stud public land bull, man. Like, do you realize what you've done? <laughs> oh, yeah. I realized it the moment, the moment I put my hands on him, I was like, holy. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, the moment I saw him, I was like, oh man. And then when I saw him in the open, when I was sending those arrows, I was like, I like, I don't screw this up because this is a rare, this is a rare animal for over the counter in Colorado. Yeah, dude. I mean, that, that's a, that's a damn good bull. Pretty pumped about to finally hear the story. In the first few hours on opening day. On opening day of hunting season, at that, on September 2nd, by 9.30, to be able to put my hands on a bull like that in an over-the-counter unit, when I've spent years grinding to kill a raghorn, you know, um, like, and pulling it off at the last second, and then some years not pulling it off at all, so it was, it was pretty cool, I was like, all right, if this is how this season's going to start, that's uh, that's pretty excellent, and then then we killed Cody's sheep on opening day in the first few hours. Well, in the first hour of legal shooting light. And then we we shot Cody's moose. Uh, the sheep hunt was a rifle hunt. And then the moose hunt was a bow hunt. We shot his moose uh, the first few hours of, of the, well, not first few hours, on opening day, but it was in the evening. And then we let him sit because it was, uh, we hit him back and we, we let him sit overnight and they went up and found him the next day. But he, and Cody killed, that moose was big. It was, I think, 175 inch Shira's moose. So it's, it's Damn. definitely one of the biggest Shira's moose. I, well, it's the biggest Shira's moose I've ever seen killed with a bow in Colorado. So, yeah, I got a couple, there's another guy I know who, drew two once in a lifetime tags in Colorado in the same season. Like that's not the first time I've heard of that. And that's just nuts. When you look at the odds, man, Crazy. it's like, how are these guys pulling this off? And I would, that would stress me out. Like I, I would not enjoy that having those. No, no. Oh, um, did you get a chance to like, what other hunts did you get done in 23? I felt like you went down to Texas maybe or something. Yeah, that's uh, so we did those hunts with Cody, which I basically ran a camera and, and took photos. Um, and then I went down to Texas. My buddy's got this little 80 acre low fence property down there. It's just a little family, tiny family ranchette is what they call them. But uh, he has access on it. So I went down there and smoked some access dough with a rifle to, uh, to put those in the freezer because that meat is hands down my favorite meat on the planet. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I found out about Axis for the first time finally in Hawaii. I went to Maui and hunted, and I've hunted Axis two other times, once in Texas, once in Maui, with no tags field. So finally getting 
I've had access meat, but it's not the, you know, I didn't do the killing. So it is up there. It is up there. I still am going to put antelope above access barely, but I'm weird. I just, you are weird. You're one of the few people, I, but guys who love antelope, like they're, they're all in. Yeah. That's probably me. Okay. You're just one of those guys that love antelope. So what can we talk about when it comes to born primitive outdoor and new stuff without getting in trouble? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think we can talk about, I don't think we'll get in trouble. We can talk about, we've got reindeer coming. Yeah. Reindeer is coming. I'll just take the bullet. You won't get in trouble. I'll get in trouble. Yeah. Um, I might need, I might need a job after this podcast, man. We have reindeer coming. It's when it's coming is the the big question. I think it's going to be early summer ish. And then we have, we have a, a, a shell type jacket coming. So it's going to be uh, water resistant or waterproof, soft, lightly fleece lined, like a, an outlayer, an actual outlayer jacket. Because right now we, we only offer puffy jackets, basically. So we wanted to create something that's a little bit more durable and can kind of go into the later seasons with, with some windproof capability. Um, and those are really, I mean, honestly, from a Western hunting perspective, those are the two big gaps that we had to fill, uh, in a Western hunting clothing line, right? We have the base layers, we have the, we have the pants that you can layer up underneath, uh, and we have the puffy jackets, a light and a heavyweight one. And then we've got our, our grid fleece that I'm wearing right now. And then we, we needed a, an, an outer shell type jacket and we need, we needed rain gear, uh, but we've just taken, we just spent a lot of time developing the rain gear. We didn't want to just, you know, throw a PVC rain jacket to market. So this, this rain gear has got some pretty cool technology in it that I, I won't talk about yet, but um, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of unique for a rain gear. I think Kurt's probably told you about it or Aaron, um, but it's going to, it's going to be a pretty, pretty awesome rain gear. And I can't wait to finally have like a, the complete Western hunting line lined out yeah the uh the one thing i do have right now that is a prototype is a like a newer puffy that i'm messing with right now and it it it, i already liked the original puffy quite a bit and so i didn't think that would be able to make too much in changes but i will say with just the form and fit on this newer one way better because a puffy is always that outer layer you know and you have a system in place and for me, I run cold. So the second I stop moving, regardless of the time of year, like I am susceptible to getting cold. And so, I'm, I mean, I'm always need a, a puffy is always in my pack. This one's definitely packable like all puffies are. Um, but this one's just got a little bit more fit where like you can actually, you can shoot your bow with your puffy on, which sounds funny, but like some puffies are just a little bit, they stick out, they could catch your string, it could throw off a little bit. Um, the base layers, we probably should start there. Um, not that we're going to go deep dive into this stuff, but there is the synthetic side and then there's the Merino side. Do you have a preference? I, I do. I like the, the Merino, the Merino side because it's a blend. Uh, I I'll be honest. This was before I worked for born, but when born primitive first launched, I helped them with the launch. I, I tested their gear and then and then wrote an article for for Black Rifle Coffee Company 
kind of on my thoughts on the gear. And then, and then I had the gear for the hunting season. I went to Alaska. I'm a hood. I'm a hood guy. I love having a hood. And so I really loved their lightweight Merino polyester blend, the Ridgeline, the original, the original ba- Ridgeline base layer, but it didn't have a hood. Yeah. And, yeah. and now, now that we have one with a hood and a half zip, that's what I wore it all season. I, I wore it. Oh, I killed an antelope too in uh, South Dakota. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I wore it in an antelope blind. I wore it. I wore it all season long and, and loved it. It performed really well. It didn't get stinky. And I dried. I, I I dried up fairly quickly. Like I didn't stay wet long, which normally happens with merino. If I I remember when I was cutting my western hunting teeth, I could get a military discount from First Light, and so I bought the merino base layers. And I just stayed wet a little bit longer from sweat than I than I wanted to. So then I went to synthetic Sika base layers. And then when when BP came out with that the the half zip hoodie, uh I start I rocked that all season and, and I loved the way it performed. It was definitely my my favorite piece that we launched this year. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. It's kind of the same boat I am. I, I'm looking for more of that blend. I mean synthetics will stay drier always you know, bottom line. But I think that Merino portion really helps fight off that backcountry stank, which is a thing. And then they have different weights to their layers. So you can kind of just decipher what's going to be best for where you're going time of year. The whole no camo thing, has that bothered you at all? Or do you? Mm, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me unless I'm going to do something where like turkey season. I'll wear our pants, but I'm I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a stick of top on because it's camel. I need I need camel for turkey. And then uh the few times my my buddy that has been crashing with me, he's a big time predator hunter. So the few times that I've been predator hunting with him, he's like, You have to have camo top. Like, gotta have camo for that. But right. for for elk and anything else I've done, like I it doesn't really it doesn't bother me. Well, speaking of Snyder, um, were you one of the fortunate ones to beta test the new frame, the new carbon frame? I was. I have it right over here. Show and tell. For those, I'll do a little video clip on this part. So what what bag do you have on there? I've got the Bedlam. Okay. So it's it's significantly lighter than the duplex light and significantly stronger. Significantly lighter, significantly stronger, and then significantly more user-friendly to adjust. Yeah. Cause like you taking it apart right now is like, like I wouldn't do that with any of my Kufaru packs currently. Like like you're looking at a lot of work and you're just undoing it like that. Like it's no thing. Yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to take the frame off the bag because it's going to be easier to show you. I don't know if I'm supposed to do this, but they already talked about it, so I think it's legal. We'll be fine. I already got in trouble from Kufaru for talking about the frame six months ago. Well, you know, um, Aaron's usually the worst, so I kind of wait till Aaron does it, or I watch what Aaron does on social media. Like, if Aaron if Aaron showed that in a picture, I'll show that picture, because Aaron is usually the absolute worst. So Wow, that was fast and easy. Fast and easy. So where this frame especially for the shoulder straps. I think this is where this frame, because before you had the the long tethers, which is as good as you could make it with the duplex light, but with the arc, adjusting your shoulder straps is, is, and I could do it with the bag on. It's just hard to show the camera. I've done it multiple times with the bag on. Adjusting your shoulder straps is as easy as 
popping those out. Oh yeah. And popping them right back in. And now I've adjusted the, the length of my shoulder stand and it's done. It's adjusted. And you can do that. I mean, that's, that's easy to do with the bag on. Yeah. That's, that's huge, man. Massive. I mean, it's, it's simplified. It's simplified. It's lighter. It's still, it's, it's very rigid, like top to bottom with a pack on, but you get, I don't know if I can show you this way, but you get some torsion and some flex with your body when you're climbing a mountain or you're, you're reaching up to grab onto a boulder to pull yourself up because you're running around a canyon because you screwed up this season and didn't, uh, didn't put your four pin housing on your bow side like you should have, you know? So, so did you pack out, uh, animals with that? Uh, we packed out Cody's sheep with this. And I mean, I packed my bull out to an extent, but it wasn't like a, a crazy hard pack out. But for Cody's sheep hunt, we hiked in with six days worth of food and six days worth of food. And we packed the entire sheep out plus a full cape and, <laughs> uh five days well really five and a half days worth of food so we were in for the long haul and then we had to carry it all back out in one trip so um you know what i'm eyeing is that new arc frame and then throwing that new not out yet 4300 lightweight pack have you seen that from kufaru yet mm -hmm. 1.8 pounds yep i'm interested and it's not i mean it's reasonably priced it's got 4300 cubic inches um, I mean, that's going to be like the go-to day pack slash could do multi-day, you know, and this is a guy who I historically like the hoodlum cause I carry so much stuff. Um, but I ran the bed, I ran the bedlam last year for elk season, loved it. And this 4,300, I might, I got to at least test it out. Cause that might be what I'm running this year. The bedlam. I like the 4,300. I, lo I love the, the lightweight and the, like how lightweight and streamlined it is, but my my all-time favorite backpack, two favorite backpacks from Kafaru. One is the Reckoning. The other one is the Cavern, uh, which they no longer sell. I still have one in the basement, but I can't wear it because it doesn't help them sell backpacks, right? And when they made the Bedlam with that full zip all the way down, that's what I loved about the Reckoning because when I when you're trying to pack an elk quarter out, it's so nice. I'm not an in-between-the-frame guy. I like packing it in my bag, and I like using all the suspension straps on the pack uh to to hold that meat in place like right here where i want it kind of in between my shoulder blades and yep. so being able to unzip that bag and i cinch the bottom third of the pack completely shut so nothing falls down in that bottom. like that's for my game bags and snacks and all that stuff will go down there and then being able to unzip that bag and lay that quarter exactly where i want it and then zip it up and cinch it shut right there and then stand up and have it be where i want it to be is is critical so the Bedlam is by far my my most favorite favorite pack that they currently offer. I haven't I haven't messed with that forty three hundred. I'm not an ultra light guy though, and I like having pouches on the outside too. So yeah, yeah, and, and they, they yeah, and that's what they made that bag for. It was like the ultra light, like some of them wanted ultra light weight. That material is super cool, and I can't wait to see that. I don't remember what they called it, but I can't wait to see that implemented in future iterations of backpacks. Cause it's like a water resistant. It's, it's almost like the X-Pack material, but it's lighter weight. It does look like the X-Pack material, which is super nice to get blood off of, but I'm with you, man. Like I, I put the meat in the bag. I move stuff around meat shelf. It's just not even, 
I, I don't even, I've done it once and uh, it just, it took too much time and it's unnecessary and it doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't ride as good. So it doesn't ride good. No. Oh, that's cool. Um, I guess we got to wrap this up, but I was going to ask you one last topic. There's a program that you do where you take new hunters out. Tell us a little bit about that. Kind of want to end there on you giving back and getting people a good proper experience in hunting. Yeah. Uh, so I work with our mutual friend, Christina Cook. She started kind of a program where she she teaches uh, new hunters field dressing, like basically kind of takes away a lot of the things that feel like a barrier to entry knowledge wise for hunting. Um, the things that the tasks that seem like you can watch a thousand YouTube videos on breaking an animal down, but until you actually kill an animal and break it down yourself, you're once you're like, oh my God, what do I do? So Chris kind of started a program and then I came out and, and kind of guest instructed, if you will. She invited me out and taught and then she quickly adopted me into her family, which I love as well. And uh, yeah, so we went from there. So it's the Ranch Julian and um, our big our big give back, which I really love is Gold Star Wives. So uh, Chris is a military spouse. I'm obviously still in the military. So giving back to Gold Star Wives is something that's near and dear to me. And something, something I'd really like to do is Gold Star Children, children that lost their dads overseas. And we're going to get there. But um, right now we're just, we're doing the, the Gold Star Spouses. So we'll bring them through one of our full programs, whatever it may be. And then usually try to culminate it with an actual hunting experience. So they come out, they, they come to the ranch in the summertime. We do field dressing, archery. We're doing a rifle event this year with Vortex. So they they get all of that training there at the ranch. And then we we take it, we take them to our buddy's place in Georgia, uh, the hunter recruitment project, which that's they're kind of they're they're trying to recruit hunters and bring them on their first hunting trip. So we'll take them out there and then they put it all together on an actual whitetail hunt. Man, that's awesome. So you're gonna do that again this year? Yep, we're gonna do it again this year. So we'll we're gonna do it. Our big event's gonna be with Vortex this year, and uh, the ladies are gonna go out to the actual Vortex headquarters, and we'll do all the programming out there. They're gonna get long range shooting instruction from some of the guys at Vortex, and then uh, again in October we'll we'll take some of those ladies on a whitetail hunt. Hmm. Keep up the good work, man. I think that's special. And uh, shout out to Chris Cook, one of the best humans I know. I'm going to get her on this pod. We've been talking about that. Just haven't gotten it lined up yet. But all right. Well, that is our conversation with Mike Hearn. He can find him on Instagram. I will leave a link in the show notes. It is at Mike underscore Hearn, H-E-R-N-E. He's out of Colorado. He'll be retiring soon. And he helps me out a lot with Born Primitive. And he's basically my tack buddy. So I hope we get to shoot in Colorado sunlight. I'm 51% sure on that, that we're coming. And uh, that'll be cool. I've never done the Colorado tack. If not, we'll do Big Sky. Okay, sold. Uh, Departing words of wisdom for the audience, Mike. Uh, Just have fun. Just have fun and be a good person. Those are all I try to do is have a good time, be a good person, spend my time with quality people like you. That last part's debatable, but I like what you got cooking, man. And uh, congrats on the bull. Hell of a story. Guys, remember, separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. Today's podcast is brought to you by Born Primitive Outdoor. This is the clothing that I switched to because this company has been making 
workout training gear since 2013. It's veteran owned and operated. They've teamed up with Aaron Snyder to design these clothing systems for out west all their clothing is solid so you can cross over and wear it on date night and not embarrass your spouse uh, it's super functional and it's attention to detail and it's been battle tested by yours truly and i stand behind it use the discount code elk shape to take 20 percent off head over to bornprimitiveoutdoor.com